Welcome to the Research Works podcast. My name is Dr. Dana Poole and I get the privilege of bringing to you a very special series this week. I am here in Slovenia at the European Academy of Childhood Disability interviewing the researchers and presenters about their work. This is very exciting and I can't wait for you to delve into this whole research conference series. We hope you enjoy the series. Welcome back, everyone. We are here, Research Works podcast at the EACD Slovenia Conference 2023. It is still the lunch hour, so it is a little bit busy, but hey, I think it creates a great vibe. I'm talking to a new friend of mine, introduced to me by the lovely Ginny Palig, and so now we've just been trying to connect and talk about our common interests. So welcome, and I'm really nervous I'll say a name wrong, so make sure you correct me. Alvaro Hidal Horobe. Hor- Perfect. No, no, that was not <laughs> Say your name properly for me. Álvaro Hidalgo Robles. Okay. See, I was was quite far (laughs) off there. PhD candidate from the International University of La Rioja. Rioja. See, there's things that my tongue doesn't quite do, you know. I think I'd love to learn Spanish. Yeah, we do tricky things with the language in in Spanish. I know. You never know when it's softy or... (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for tolerating my inability to to say certain vowels. But um, look, I'm so excited to talk to you today. You're, You're... big advocate here for early career researchers. I see you walking around with your sticker that you have yeah. there and and uh, really trying to connect the whole group together. And I know you've got a few posters here too, and you've got some publications that are coming up, so we'll talk to you about that really soon. But what I thought would be really interesting to talk to you about today is, is kind of what your perspectives are on the conference so far. And, uh, and well, let's start there. How have you been enjoying the conference so far and the content that we've been hearing? Wow, I, I'm enjoying a lot. I'm yeah. enjoying a lot, really. It's my first time here in, in Ljubljana mm. and uh, having this kind of uh, views, you know, this kind of, uh, of city. It's beautiful, and, uh, it? sharing with friends and yeah. colleagues in this awesome conference. Yeah. Wow. Yep. It's, it's like uh, the perfect environment for for the perfect conference. Yeah. <laughs> you, you put it absolutely beautifully. And I think that the topics that have been coming up the conference now, there's, there's been quite a few common themes that have been going yeah. through, hasn't there? What has inspired you the most about this conference so far? Well, I am just inspired by the recent um, clinical session we have had regarding early intervention. Yes. Uh, we have in the in the ESCD a recent group created regarding early intervention, a special interest group. Yes. And uh, I've been uh, seeing the amazing presentation from colleagues yep. uh, from from Spain, also from a lot of countries of Europe, showing. Yep. Wow, really uh, evidence-based things, uh, approaching newborns, approaching infants, and wow, I'm quite inspired. It's an exciting place to be, isn't it? And early intervention, well, early detection and early intervention are things I'm hearing about a lot at the moment. It's it's such an exciting phase, not just for cerebral palsy, but a range of other conditions like spinal muscular atrophy in the keynote this morning. Tell me a little bit about early intervention. I know this is a really big area of interest and a passion for you and the evidence-based approaches. I think we're at a place now where more and more we know what evidence-based approaches are for yeah. early intervention. Uh, you know, obviously, I'm from Australia, you're from Spain, but I think we're speaking the same language here. Yeah. So, you know, what are some of the key, key aspects of early, of early intervention evidence-based practices? Well, what a question. good question. Yeah, yeah, what yeah a I know, question. sorry. <laughs> I'll try to manage it. Uh, well, I think uh, since my perspective, uh, from, from the point of view of uh, we have in, in Spain, we are like starting, we are at the very beginning of the 
early detection. Mm. So um, I think we are now approaching this this new concept regarding early intervention. Yeah. And for us, since our as you know very beginning experience, yeah, I think uh, we. Um, appreciate this uh, this new techniques these new evidence based strategies mm. but uh, we appreciate also and and i think uh, it's quite important the ingredients that underlie this this new yeah. these new techniques yeah, yeah that's right because when we are trying to do knowledge translation for us in spain is uh, quite difficult you know you have we have the language barriers and we have uh, yeah, some some of different barriers mm. uh, that we are facing to be able to manage these big ingredients and and know that uh, enrichment environment and uh, active um, movements mm. and task oriented and uh, parental education are yeah. like the big uh, things we have to take yes. in account. Yes. It's really important. Yes. Yeah. When we approach um, clinicians, uh, it is not the same that. Uh, talking about some specific name or, or a specific techniques. Yes, yeah. That approaching with the ingredients that we know. Uh, I like it that. Is I like that. I like how you said that. I think um, in our previous episode, again with um, Diane Damiano, she was like, "Oh, less about the names, more about the ingredients," yeah. because I think we can get so caught up in the names, can't we? And uh, and that can be a bit dangerous. So. We know now more than ever what those key active ingredients are for effective interventions. Mm. And when we're talking about early intervention, it's so important we get that right, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So it has such a big impact. Let's take a flip side onto that now for the, the less evidence or non-evidence-based mm. interventions. Do you see a lot of those practices still happening in, in Spain and what you sort of see happening there? Yeah, we have uh, received in the, in the early intervention session uh, a great presentation of Mari Carmen Lillo, which mm -hmm. has recently done with a group of uh, researchers in Spain a survey. Uh -huh. And I was uh, really surprised about the, the results wow. because uh, we are really um, advancing in, in, in this uh, evidence-based uh, intervention. But it is true that uh, we also are facing some uh, non-evidence-based intervention. Now, of all, in Spain, we have uh, NDT yep. or BOBA therapy. Yep. We are facing also um, BOITA therapy. Uh -huh. And I think it is uh, quite culturally related with the information we give to, stu to students in the university because yeah. many of the programs in Spain yep. in the university degree programs above all in, in my career in as my background my background as PT yep. uh, all the pediatric information I received was mainly based on non-evidence wow. uh, methods wow. so it is really tricky to approach students and or people who are interested in in pediatrics with all these new concepts. Yeah, or, uh, sure. That makes it so challenging, isn't it? Because you come out of university so excited yeah. about your profession, what you feel like you've just learned. You want to, I mean, you trust that it will be from the most, the latest evidence. And mm. so if you come out, you graduate and you soon realize that it isn't, that makes it really confronting. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> really it is. hard. So. It, was, it was my experience. Yeah, it yeah. was. Wow, yeah. Because to, to change that makes it very um, very challenging and you need people, like mentors, to be able to help show you where you can go. Yeah. Um, 
So we talked a little bit before about those non-evidence-based interventions, which I think has been listed a fair bit in the red light interventions mm-hmm. now in the clinical guidelines. And uh, they're, they're often named interventions. The other ones that have really popped up in terms of not being studied at all, and I've noticed in this conference as well, no one's talking about um, these really old techniques like Cuevas medic uh-huh. exercises or the the different version of that rebranded as dynamic movement intervention, both very mm-hmm. similar. Yeah. I've noticed that no, no one's talking about that here, yet when we look on the internet and you sort of see yeah. the proliferation of these techniques, what's your perspective on yeah. that in terms of what you see? Well, I think um, maybe uh, running the circles before uh, answering, yeah. I think, uh, for example, from, from my perspective in, in Spain, when we uh, approach families uh, with uh, babies with high risk of CP, yeah. uh, the, the component of the um, information, uh, it is, uh, I think, the, the, the most important component. Yeah. Because uh, when they receive all this uh, information and they are able to... Um, to know what is uh, what, what we know in terms of uh, strategies of inter- or in terms of uh, intervention, mm. they are able to recognize this kind of uh, non-evidence techniques or yeah. because uh, I think it is uh, well always uh, there's gonna be this kind of intervention and when we finish with Cuevas uh, Medic, uh, other name will will come to us. Yeah, but the more important. Uh, um, point for that I think it is uh, information to the family and yeah. it is the the uh, highest comorbidity we are facing yeah. in, in CP yeah I think you're absolutely right and I think again the names make it confusing right yeah. like you say so like, you know it might have started as Cuevas Medic but mm. it's changed to something else and you can keep yeah. renaming it but if we can't identify those ingredients of those yeah. interventions and go actually then they're not evidence-based mm-hmm. um, but at least to have that information so that families can make yeah. a choice Yeah, because we're not saying don't do it we're just saying look, it's it. not evidence-based yeah. but make sure you know that yeah. before you of go course. forward yeah, yeah. What do you think are some of the strategies? Because given you've described Spain as the early days of early detection, early intervention, getting those structures in place, moving forward, what do you think is going to be really important for your country, for your clinicians to be doing to support more integration of evidence-based practices? Well, we are doing uh, such great efforts in terms of uh, knowledge translation. I think we are in Spain in a great movement uh, towards um, family center practices. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Since uh, maybe ten years or something yep. like like that. Yeah. Uh, I think it is a tricky way because uh, we, yeah we have like some cultural. Uh, I don't know if perspective or some cultural related uh, stuff that uh, doesn't help us to to move to family center practices for example the, uh, the um, clinical center services the you know like this way of um, create big centers to approach children and and this is uh, difficult this is difficult in us to move to the home environment I see. Uh, to move to the to the families yeah and then I think, uh, for example, when we, when we talk in terms of cerebral uh, palsy, yeah. uh, we need to start doing uh, a specific intervention for this kind of, of children. Mm. We know that um, 
we are able to detect early, we are able to diagnose early, yep. and now is the time to uh, make a specific intervention, not just for the child, of course, but for the family also. Yeah. And yep. uh, I think it is the, the following step. But Because, for example, I'm, uh, I'm really happy with some of the projects we are developing in my PhD. Yeah. We, we have this, when you saw the, you see the, the raw data, uh, we uh, tried to, and we, we got, try, um, reduce the mean age of CP diagnosis. We yep. reduce the mean age of, uh, L, of referral to early intervention services. Right. But uh, when you talk with the family, yeah. my concerns are that we are not impacting in any way in the information they are receiving when they get the diagnosis right. and we are not in, uh, impacting in the um, intervention they are receiving. Right. So that's the oh, next step. I that think. is a very important step because yeah. if we're not, like you just said, if we're not getting mm. the information out, families are they're left with all these decisions that they need to make without all the information that they need. Yeah. Yeah. What can we do about it? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, work all together. We're all together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm uh, thinking on of uh, thinking about the family as a part of the team. Yeah, uh, involving them in the research. Yeah, we are we are making. Yeah, we are uh, we are planning now some qualitative uh, studies to know really what are their perspective in in yeah. Spain. Yeah. following the, the the steps that some big colleagues had, has done in the in the states mm -hmm. and in, also in, yeah. in Australia. Yeah. And uh, I think we need to get this perspective, and of course, involve them in the research yeah. that we are we are uh, doing. Now. That's wonderful, and I think that's really consistent. Once yeah. again, it's consistent. Everyone I've been talking to lately, it's it's all about providing information, and we all need to do more and do better. Like actually, take the challenge of doing better and providing uh, the right kind of information at the right time, and not assuming, you know, who yeah, needs it, who doesn't. Actually, to, to find a really um, safe way of talking with families to provide them the information uh, and trust that once we give it to them, yeah. they can use it to make great decisions for their child. Yeah. 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 And trying, um, trying to um, be, be confident with their, with their abilities. Yes. As a, as a, as a clinician, uh, yeah. I think we are approaching more this, this kind of, uh, of, um, techniques, this kind of strategies that believe that really the family can develop uh, yeah. intervention. Yeah. Uh, of course, um, mainly based of on, on their needs yeah. and on their concerns. And yeah. that, that is, that is, um, what, that, that is something that we need to that's key. Yeah. Well, I think it's really practical. Sometimes, like I said, it's, it seems like there's some big things we need to tackle, but we can actually do it step by step. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I love that you've talked us through the journey of what's been happening in Spain and the changes that have been happening there. And we can always reflect and learn from each other. So it's, it's so wonderful. So congratulations on your PhD candidacy. Uh, and we look forward to talking to you more as you publish more and as you finish your PhD. 
So that's really exciting. And, and just thank you for sharing your insights today about the conference. Thank you. Thank you very much. I have to say that, that I am a huge fan of the podcast. <laughs> so so cool. uh, I was so nervous for this uh, interview. <laughs> it wasn't so bad, and, was it? Uh, no, it wasn't so bad. No. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> but I, I won't listen to me. <laughs> no, no, you must do. You must do that. <laughs> um, well, you thank you much. for listening. And you know, this is the reason why we do the podcast. We, Ash and I set out to do this so that we could support clinicians and researchers to be more connected and stay up to date. And uh, so now you contributed to that as well. So thank you for being a part of that. Thank you very much. Thank you. And to all of our listeners, thank you once again for tuning in. Uh, there's still so much more content to come as well. So we'll keep interviewing people and, and you can feel like you're being part of the conference just like we are here. So thanks for tuning in and I'll chat to you all again really soon. Bye. Bye.